ladies, you are listening to Women Emerging Fearlessly. Did you know that four out of five women struggle with confidence and knowing who they are? This show is dedicated to helping women lead their lives with fearless confidence and to know how amazing they truly are. In the show, you will hear from women who are emerging fearlessly, who have overcome many obstacles to pursue their dreams and passions, And they will inspire you and encourage you to stand up, step out, and speak up. Be your authentic self and bring your true gifts to the world. My name is Janelle Anderson, and I am your host. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a great review and subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Women Emerging Fearlessly. I am super excited today to have with me a very special guest. And she is called Mary Catherine Morales, but she's affectionately known as MK. And she's a speaker and an author. She's a certified trainer and university fundraising executive. She's also a woman of God. And that's the top title for her. She's a devoted wife. Mother and woman of principle who exemplifies the power of transformation and possibility for 15 years, MK has positively impacted thousands of women through her leadership in ministry, recovery boot camps, and independent training and development programs. Her book, Becoming Woman of Principle, is inspiring women to embrace their transformation journey from success to divine significance and to live courageously. So welcome, MK, to the show. Hi, Janelle. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have our conversation. You are so aligned with what I do and what I talk about all the time. So I think we're going to have an amazing conversation. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more. I was just saying, you know, you your intro ends with to live courageously. And I am always talking about living fearlessly. So Let's start off with just your story. You know, you have an amazing story from what I understand. You call it your journey through hell to home. So share a little bit about that story and how you got from there to where you are today. So first, again, let me just say how excited I am to be here um, to share the message of hope right now in a world where there is so much chaos and um you know, you talk about living fearlessly and I talk about living courageously and there's absolutely a lot of uh, synergy there. Um, I am a recovered addict and uh, alcoholic. I was deaf as a little girl till I was 13 years old. And I tell that story because that was really the first time as a human being, I would say that I experienced the what it felt like to feel separate from the world and to believe that there was something fundamentally wrong with me. And that's really where I picked up the story of unworthiness and shame. And it just kind of like a snowball just kind of built upon itself over many, many years. Beautiful young woman in her early to late 20s had kind of the world at my feet. You know, I'm smart, college graduate, very popular in college, did a lot of fun activities. I had a great job in radio broadcast. 
And that's really where my addiction began to show its ugly face. There are so many stories of where I really just wanted to get well, but couldn't. I mean, the addiction was winning. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I said, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to use, I'm going to do the next right thing. The the disease of, of addiction just kept showing it, showing up in my life and, and I was losing. So I was 29 years old mm-hmm. and I was standing in front of a closet, getting ready to reach into the closet uh, to grab my next fix. But I knew it was the wrong thing to do. I knew it, it was almost like um, automatic for me. And I cried out to God and I said, God, please, you know, I've loved you my whole life. I've believed in you my whole life. You know that this is not the journey that I want to take. Please, I'll take anything than this. And I named off five other very serious illnesses um, because at least then people wouldn't be so judgmental and harsh and so upset with me because I had disappointed so many people by that point. And Janelle, I'm telling you, as, as well as I'm sitting here having a conversation with you, when I prayed that prayer and asked for help in my spirit, I heard Mary Catherine, this is your cross. You're going to recover and you're going to write a book about the journey through hell to home. And I was like, no, that is the worst idea I've ever heard in my whole life because I was consumed with fear of what people would think about my journey. Of course. But, you know, fast forwarding, um, just like so many others who go through really tough times. Um, I began to do the work one miracle after another, um, my life began to change. And that's how I ended up here all these years later is applying very simple practices to my life, uh, learning how to trust God and really transforming my mind um, is how I got well. And so now I have a life beyond my wildest dreams and um, I'm really proud of the life that God and I have created together. So amazing and so uh, powerful and inspiring to hear of your your journey through transformation and your ability to to do the journey, to go through what you've gone through to get there. Or you talked about, you know, having to do the work. So can you tell us a little bit about what were some of the specific things that you needed to do in order to do this work? Well, addiction is really a mind and body disease, right? Um, Most people, when they're going through addiction, think that there's something fundamentally wrong with them. And that's a hard conversation to overcome. But my very dear friend and mentor, actually Simon T. Bailey, um, he and I have been working together for 16 years And finally, one day he said to me, MK, how did you become MK 2.0? How did you go from a woman really consumed with shame and unworthiness, despite your potential, to who you are today and having this incredible life? And nobody had ever asked me that question quite that way. So I was actually snow skiing with my husband, Al, a few years ago. And I I woke up one morning at 4.30 And I I began to ask myself, how did I really do it? And it really boils down to five things. Um, Honesty, being your word, servant leadership, running with champions, and one day at a time, learning how to put God first. 
And there are many other practices on how I changed my life, but um, honesty was the number one practice that I implemented into every conversation um, that really gave me the life I have today. It's so interesting that you are talking about honesty because I was just watching, I don't know, something on the news the other day, you know, we're going through this crazy time with the election and, and somebody had asked him, you know, what is the way to heal our country? And he started talking about honesty. In my book, I talk about truth telling, which is the same thing is telling yourself the truth and being honest with who, you know, with you and looking at those parts of your life that you've tried to stuff away. And then also really, you know, you, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And also when you're interacting with other people, because I really believe that's, that's the biggest disease we have really in the world is lies, the lies that we've been told, the lies that we're, we're taking as truth. And then it just, it's, it infects everything and infuses itself into every part of your life. I love that, that that's your top one, you know, just being honest. Did you find that you needed to first be honest with yourself before you could be honest with other people? Absolutely. And the way I like to look at honesty is there are many levels of honesty, but there's one truth. And so, you know, in my book, Becoming Woman in Principle, it really is about the transforming mind, not transformed one and done, but we are constantly transforming our thinking. So if, if you take a woman or a human being that has been in a really dangerous situation, maybe domestic violence, addiction, has gone through a tremendous amount of trauma, um, or someone who is innately anxious or fearful, you know, even something as simple as perfectionism, right? Right. We don't even need to go all the way down into like um, really traumatic situations. I think something like perfectionism gives us permission to tell small white lies. And so in order for me to get sober, and I've been in, you know, I've been in the program now for more than 20 years, honesty is absolutely the most fundamental. And my, not only is it a value, but I also talk about it is becoming beautifully transparent through the practice of being honest. You know, I think there are, Honesty can show up in a lot of different ways. Um, People can just flat out lie to you. And that happens. You talked about the media. People all over the world are asking themselves, who can I trust? Who's telling me the truth? Mm -hmm. So there are people who are fundamentally just out and out telling you outrageous lies. And people are falling for it. But more often than not, I think as sophisticated women or people who have accumulated some measure of success in our lives. This is where honesty shows up as a bold stand for love for self and you. And giving us permission to say, you know what, Janelle, you and I see this, whatever the topic might be a little bit differently. But as a child of God and a woman of faith and a mother, I can relate to all those things. I care enough about you as a human being that I'd rather be honest with you and have us see the world differently than be dishonest with you and pretend 
that we have a relationship that we don't really have. So I agree with you. I think it's the number one epidemic that's facing us as a country today and as a people. Yeah. And you relate that to relationship, which is so key and so rampant, you know, the pretend and we are afraid to be authentic and afraid to just show up as ourselves because we're worried about what that person's going to think of us. So I know I've been a master at like a chameleon, you know, being whoever they want me to be so that I can be accepted and not stir up any conflict. And, but there's no freedom there. You know, there's just no freedom there and you don't really have a real relationship. And anyone that would, and this is just from my experience really over the last 20 years and really the last 15 really, really taking a look at my mindset, my relationships and where the roadblocks keep showing up, you know, cause wherever we go, there we are. So right. I can switch jobs. I can um, move to another city. Um, I can create a new circle of lady friends, but wherever I go, there I am. And it really is in the nuances and our languaging and and not like bad and wrong or condemnation, but recognizing that we really are brilliant and beautiful. And I talk about it in my book as not only as a bold stand for love, but as a way of being. And I'd rather have someone say, you know, MK's got these strong beliefs or opinions or perspectives, and she's honest and loving and caring about them versus me being dishonest and kind of going along for the ride. And I think that's when we learn how to communicate as powerful women. How do we maintain our authenticity and tell the truth? Exactly. And you do walk into another level of of feeling empowered when you choose to be authentic and to be real and to be honest and not, and not worry so much about what other people think, you know, they will think whatever they're going to think. You, you really can't control that, but there's an empowerment there of, of that feeling of like, I don't know, for me, it's like freedom. It's like, I'm at home in my own skin. I'm going to speak my truth and what I stand for and what I believe in, but I'm also going to allow you to do the same thing right. and accept you for where you are as you said, as another human on the planet and just value that. And we've lost a lot of that. And I agree with you that as women, we can really make a stand for that in our world today and say, you know, no, I'm, I'm no longer going to pretend, but this is me and this is the real me and I'm honest and I, I still love you and accept you. And I think that'll make a huge impact in our world. You know, the science, you and I both love Dr. Caroline Leaf. And, you know, she talks about it in all of her work as a neuroscientist and communication pathology that being honest actually helps to recreate those neuropathways in our physical brain. And as our, the transformation of our mind happens and we begin to implement these practices, Um, we experience more joy, connection, and peace scientifically 
because one of the bold promises of God that I stand on is that God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Yes. And so when I find myself in concern or chaos or being anxious, I ask myself, where is it coming from? Because if I was built with love, power, and a sound mind, then it's got to be something else that's contributing to that. And sometimes it's just me misinterpreting a conversation, a situation, and being willing to step back and take a look at my thinking and observe it to say, I wonder if I actually have that right. Exactly. You know, yep. and so mm-hmm. her science actually tells us that honesty creates uh, mindfulness and brain health. Uh, in our, in our physical body. Yes. And she talks about toxic thinking, you know, and what it does to the brain physically, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, lies are toxic and can create chaos in your brain. Um, One of my favorite scriptures is, is the same scripture. It's just been transformational for me too. So I had to laugh when you said that one. It's my favorite. So, yeah. And, you know, scripture also tells us to, you know, renew our mind be transformed by the renewing of your mind That's right. and by keeping our minds fixed on things above. And that's the truth and what's real. Yes, It does change our minds. I, that's what I love about Dr. Caroline Leaf because she ties in the actual science that's proven scientific studies that show us exactly what's happening in our physical brain to what scripture tells us already. Yes. It's awesome. You talk about woman of principle. What exactly is that a woman or person of principle and why is that a revel- why is that relevant for today's climate in um, well politics right now and race relations, corporate America, faith, all of all of that's going on in the world today? So I get this question a lot. And um, being a woman of principle, the way we define her in the women of principle community is that she's perfectly imperfect. We take one word from God. And then we learn how do we implement that one word through really practical ways so that we can actually become all that God has called us to be. I see her. So there's a distinction between a value and a principle. So we've been talking about honesty and we would all agree, you know, all of the research shows from across the globe that most people think honesty is a really important value. Yes. What happens though, and Dr. Brene Brown talks about this a lot in her research, is that values actually change over time. They're flexible. When I was preparing for my book and again, going back and, and kind of thinking through my own life, a principle is more like a North Star. It's something that fundamentally doesn't change. It It doesn't change based on the circumstance and it doesn't change based on time the way we know time so if value if honesty is my value and you and i get into a conversation but my limiting beliefs show up and i say something to myself like well i just met janelle and if i tell her you know my political preference or my religious preference or where i work or what's happened in my life Maybe she won't understand. Maybe she'll judge me. And that's where those small white lies begin to show up. Being a woman of principle is fundamentally standing on something like transparency, like a glass of water is completely transparent. So when that becomes my aim and my North Star, we get into a conversation. And that's when I say something like, you know, Janelle, 
I am so glad that we've had the opportunity to meet. And I want to be really honest with you, but here's what I'm concerned about. But I'm committed to you as a child of God and as a powerful woman in the world who's making change. So I'm going to be as transparent with you as possible. And it really changes the dialogue. So being a woman of principle is thinking about things like impeccable, that we are already victorious. Uh, wisdom is the principle and putting God first is the practice. So being a woman of principle is learning how to develop principles in our life that become fundamental, um, that we stand on those and we learn how to live our best life. That is awesome. Very powerful. Thank you. Yes. And we all need that North Star. We are often feeling today, especially that we're standing on shifting sand and, you know, where's the foundation? What are we standing on? What do we really believe and what are we aiming for in our life? So to get really clear on that is very important. I loved how you brought the distinction there between value and principle. I think that's an important distinction to understand. Yes. And recognize that we won't do it perfectly, right? <laughs> that, you know, things are going to come up, but um, again, principles, being a woman of principle is 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 putting those North Stars in place to say, you know, despite my imperfections, despite how my limiting beliefs will show up, this is my aim. Yes, being perfectly imperfect. Yes. So I want to get to this discussion about hope, since that's really the title of our episode today, Hope as a Superpower. So tell us a little bit about what you know about the science of hope and how we can transform our lives through intentional activities of our with our minds. I really began to think about this in February of this year and was asked to do a series of conversations with uh, Simon T. Bailey and Karen Millsap, who I know is a friend of yours as well. And um, it was uh, spark hope now. So the conversation actually came up very organically. And I, I've shared my story of overcoming addiction and shame and unworthiness. And as I began to study the science of hope, again, going back to Dr. Caroline Leaf and a couple of other neuroscientists, is, is her work and their work actually demonstrate that hope is not wishful thinking. Like, I hope I go on that vacation. I hope I get a promotion. I hope I get a day off, right? Hope is actually scientific, scientifically an activity of the mind where we stand in anticipation and we implement things like prayer, meditation, mindful activities. And um, I like to say that you've got to evaluate your life in order to cultivate the good in your life. Hmm. That's good. So. When I'm willing to be, we always go back to honesty, right? When I'm willing to be honest about where is my life right now? And I may actually have a great life, right? You don't have to have like a terrible life to have this conversation because I think it's really all about getting 1% better every day. All of us are evolving and becoming all that God has called us to be. Absolutely. So hope is a superpower. And from my experience and the science that I've read is recognizing that it's an activity of the mind, that we're standing in faith today for where we want to go. And I evaluate the state of my life. So let's say I have $100,000 in my bank account, but I want to have 200 or 300 or 400. 
where and when I evaluate that part of my life, my mind, my body, my spirit, my career, my marriage, that I want to really take my life to the next level. I evaluate where I'm at without any judgment. And I just kind of take a look around and recognize, oh, this is what I see. Not judge it, just notice it. And I evaluate where I'm at. And then again, going back to what we practice, we become, I put steps in place to cultivate my life and take action in order to be able to uh, materialize the goals that I have. And that's what really begins to activate hope that you're not hoping something happens. You're, you're evaluating it. You're putting mindful practices in place. And then you take the action and that's where hope becomes a superpower. Right. So what I'm hearing is hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is a very active, intentional activity. And we all know that what you act on is what you're bringing into your life. You have to take action. But if you don't have hope fixed on something that you don't have someplace where you're aiming at, you know, you're, you're just going to be all over the place. And, you know, the Bible says hope is the anchor of the soul. Yes, I just said that the other day. That is so good. Yep. And it faith, the way our pastor teaches it, I think is wonderful. He talks about faith being the flashlight that shines on hope. Hope is is, you know, what we're aiming for. And it's it's by faith. You know, we put our faith into practice by by yes. taking those steps and going towards what we're hoping for, even though we don't necessarily see all the steps that's going to get us there, but we move toward it. Because that hope is, is anchor, we're anchored in that hope. And for us as Christians, it's in walking out God's plan for our life and his purposes and his calling for our life. And it builds perseverance, right? So when we begin to take that action, and I love the analogy of the flashlight, you know, that it gives us enough light to see the three or four steps that are in front of us. And even when I've stumbled and fallen or, you know, aim to do something and make a mistake. I'm not really bummed out because through this whole process, I've learned how to train my brain and how to shift my mindset to where I know now it's just part of the process. And then I get hopeful and it really is something that also happens in the body. Uh, so hope is a superpower. It yeah. generates. Yep. Yes. It does affect our, our bodies <laughs> and I'm sure releases the uh, positive hormones, you know, that I don't know exactly which ones, probably uh, oxytocin and things like that instead of the cortisol and the stress hormones. Because when you're in hope, it, it's that expectation. It's that, you know, that it's based on um, what you're saying. Like it's based on, okay, I've taken stock of where I'm at. And I'm looking forward to where I'm going. And the hope is expecting I'm going to get there. It may not look exactly the way I think right now, but, I, but I'm going to manifest in my life these things that I am meant to That's manifest right. and bring into reality. And we have a place in that. You know, so many times I think people just kind of sit and wait for God to do. I've heard so many people say, well, when is God going to show me my purpose? When is he going to manifest the purpose in my life? Kind of like they're waiting for him to, to make the first move. And he's waiting on us. He's already established it and he's already given us everything yes. we need. And it's that, it's that faith and hope 
to move us to start, you know, we have a place in this. We have a part in this. We're partnering with him. The Christianese is that God uses us, but I always like to say he's not using us. He's actually working through us in partnership with us. We have to cooperate with that. And that was one of the biggest turn turning points in my life. When I realized that I could get to the end of my life and not have fulfilled my purpose because I didn't make those steps. I didn't, I didn't choose it and go with it. And it just woke me up and I was like, Oh, I I want, I don't want that to happen. Okay. What is, where am I at right now? And where am I going? And where does God, where's God leading me to? And what do I need to do to start moving in that direction? So that's what I'm hearing about what you're saying. And as we go back to the, you know, if you have a hundred thousand in your bank account, but you want 200, um, through the actions and the steps that we take every day and the practices we begin to implement into our day-to-day lives, as the bank account goes from 100 to 110 to 115 to 120, that's when we begin to recognize is the the mindset that I have. Because a $100,000 mindset is different than what it takes to be a $200,000 mindset. So that's where as we... As we evaluate our life, we put a plan in place, we go out and take the action. When our lives begin to shift, we'll know if we're moving in the right direction because the results in our life always tell us, am I closer to a $200,000 mindset or a $100,000 mindset? Exactly. We don't have to wait until the whole thing manifests. We get to see it as it grows and starts to, it's like growing a garden. You know, you're planting the seeds, you're watering them and you start to see them sprout and you start to see them bloom. And then eventually there's fruit. So, and, and it so ties right into, you know, you talk about this formula and I talk about this all the time, the thoughts plus words, plus actions equal outcome. And I talk about beliefs, you know, and thoughts because beliefs determine our thoughts and then emotions are created as we go along, but it's what we're believing. And then what we're thinking, the words that we speak over our lives, right. And then the actions that we, that, or the behaviors that come out of that and that creates our outcomes. So talk a little bit about, about this formula and how it connects to scripture and neuroscience and all that so stuff. So the second practice when you said, you know, MK, how did you change your life was um, becoming an impeccable woman through the practice of being my word, right? And, and that mm-hmm. goes all the way back to scripture that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God, right? So, and this is one of the more complex um, practices that I, I tried. This chapter took me so long, but when we come to believe that the word itself is a living, breathing, the word is in motion and everything we say is creating something else. And neuroscientists, whether it's Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Brene Brown, they all agree on the science that words are generative, right? Yes. They create. And so Mm -hmm. you can tell in some regards a person's mindset, I think, just whether or not they are their word. So, and there's no judgment if you're listening and, and you're, you're hearing me, I'm not, there's no condemnation, there's no bad and wrong, but I, you can always 
take your life back to your word and your word back to your mindset. So I tell women at the very, very basic is that if you, if you hear nothing, becoming an impeccable woman through the practice of being your word is just practice keeping your commitments. If you say you're going to be there at five, be there at five to five. Think about, I'm a mom, our daughter is 26 years old, and there was a time in my life where I would be late to pick up our daughter, Mia. And the science behind it says that every time I tell my daughter, Mia, I'm going to be there at five, and I'm there at 5.30, or I'm there at 5.45, I say that I have a good reason, traffic, my boss, a client. But the science actually shows that every time I don't keep my word, the gap, the space between Mia and I grows wider. And people begin to not only not trust you, but the intimacy there begins to change and shift. So the power of being our word as a woman um, is linked directly to, I believe, the, the word of God. And the more we recognize that everything we say, when we make a promise to someone, it is generative. People look forward to it. You know, have you ever had some big event and somebody tells you, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go to the mall, we're going to go have dinner, and then we're going to go to a movie. And 15 minutes before they're supposed to be at their house, they don't even call you. They send you a text message and say, something come, came up, I can't make it. Now, take that same practice and multiply it through your family. Multiply it through your community. Multiply it through your state. And we wonder why the division between people is so big. So when I talk about these practices, um, I had someone say to me, you know, MK, these are so simple. Like, duh, of course you're supposed to be your word. But when we look back in our lives, and even you could just look back over the last 48 hours if you're listening, and just ask yourself, am I, my, am I a woman that keeps my word? If I tell my daughter I'll be there at five, am I there at five? And then if the answer is not really, or I'm constantly changing my appointments, I'm constantly canceling with friends, the opportunity is really just to shift in such a way that you make promises you can keep because you realize when you say something, it means something. And it's an opportunity to create a relationship beyond your wildest dreams. Absolutely. And I think that also ties into hope because they're hoping and expecting. And, you know, disappointment comes in when we don't keep our word. So important. I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about that of the times where I have canceled on friends at the last minute and, and like realizing, wow, that really did impact you know, those relationships and I didn't realize it. So this is a great action step to take away from today's podcast actually is to think about what have you said you will do? What are your commitments even to yourself and try to start keeping them and not take on condemnation and not take on, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm a failure because I messed up there, but to learn from it. I like how you put that as an opportunity now, now that you have heard how important our word is, 
And I even, in one of my workshops, I go into depth about the power of words and how science has proven that spoken words are powerful. They do change the brain and they do create, they're generative, as you said. And so paying attention to the words you're speaking, the words you're speaking over yourself, the words you're speaking over other people, the words you are speaking into your life of what you're going to do and make sure that you're speaking the words that you want to create what you want to create in your life. You're speaking to that, not what you don't want, but what you do want. And then where are you needing to commit or keep your word? Where are the places in your life, even to yourself? And that's actually um, part of the science too, is they say, you know, have you ever said, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and you don't go and I'll go tomorrow and I'll go tomorrow. Exactly. What you said is that (laughs) the science shows we quit trusting ourselves. And it's just one of those things where if someone was going into your bank account and just taking 50 cents a day out of your account and you wouldn't really notice it for five, 10, maybe 15 years. And then you, you go, Oh, where did all this money go? And I think that's kind of Godfidence, the kind of true confidence as women that When we begin to master the nuances of being women of faith, not like perfect, um, but in the book, I say, you know, keep your commitments for 24 hours. And if you can do it for 24, do it for 48 and then 72 and so on. And just begin to notice going back to thoughts plus words plus actions equal outcomes. If you wonder, why is this relationship in my life not working? Just begin to think about over the last, even the last week, you know, have you been your word in that relationship? And if the answer is no, it's okay. There's a formula for that too. But you call, you take responsibility. And what the science says is don't even give an excuse, traffic, school, work, busy. Just what they say is, you know what? I haven't been keeping my word to you lately. And I just realized that. So you have my commitment and you make a new declaration that from now on, if I tell you I'm going to be there at five, I'm going to be there at five. And then you take the steps and you set up your day and your life in such a way that you can begin to keep your word. And that's what I teach. Yeah. I was just thinking that like setting up your day in such a way that if there is traffic, you've accounted for that and everything that you can possibly do. Of course, you know, you wouldn't be able to stop everything like an accident or something, but you know, you do everything in your power. Yeah. And I love that you brought up confidence because that's where I'm always uh, talking. And, and I was just thinking before you even said that, that when we don't keep our word to ourselves, we stop trusting ourselves. And when we don't keep word to others, it causes them to not trust us. And that's really the root word of confidence. It comes from a Latin word, meaning to trust. Mm. So You're going to lose confidence. confidence is a place of trust in yourself that you have the ability to do whatever it is you want to do, or that you have within you what you need to, to be who you are in the world. And also confidence in other people is based on trust that you trust them to be who they say they are and that they're going to do what they say they're going to do, that they can be relied on trust in God, confidence before God, that we can come before him and ask whatever we will. You know, I just ran into that scripture the other day in first John five, and I looked up the word confidence in the dictionary and it actually said fearless 
confidence, which is what I talk about all the time. I was like, well, there you go. (laughs) You know, (laughs) trusting. And when you are in that place, fear does go away, really, because you are relying on something trustworthy and you have confidence. It's like this, you were talking about the principles. It's like that foundation. And so to build that in your life, you've got to be a person people can have confidence in. Yes. Powerful. It is. And I, I, I wish we had all day because I, I think what you're saying is so profound that as we begin to put our trust in a, a, the true source of love and we begin practicing really simple or implementing simple practices, the fear does really begin to dissolve and confidence begins to show up and we become less competitive. We become more compassionate more the you know more abundant more joyful and i just love the work you're doing because mm-hmm. i think women um we we experience a lot of fear or anxiety yeah in so many ways and going back to that scripture you quoted out of first timothy you know we haven't been given a spirit of fear of and that means timidity or drawing back shrinking back but we've been given a spirit of power love and a sound mind love is the antidote to fear perfect love casts out all fear Mm-hmm. So when you are walking in this place of trust and confidence, it's based on the one that we love, the one that loves us, like true love. And that does annihilate fear. And and we can be in a place of power and a sound mind. I mean, it all it's all powerful. So I remember the Lord telling me that one time, like, stop shrinking back in fear. <laughs> and, and I had to build that confidence in myself and, and that confidence in what he put in me and how he created me and how he sees me so that I could step out there. And, and it's based on love. He loves me. He loves you. So I love, I love this conversation. I could go on forever with this. <laughs> well, I love what you're doing in the world as well. So I want to make sure our listeners know how to reach you and how to get a hold of your, your book. What would, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the book again is called Becoming Woman in Principle transforming your mind, living courageously and rising to your call. You can find it at womanofprinciple.com. We also have a community on Facebook called Women of Principle. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to um, be part of your community today. And you know, I think there's um, an opportunity for us to continue to work together and to really make, um, let women recognize that they truly are divinely significant. Um, yes. And they have nothing to prove, you know. Oh, absolutely. And so it's been really nice to be here with you today. That's such a powerful way to end. <laughs> I'm just like, like sent chills. You know, we are divinely significant and we have nothing to prove. And I'm always saying, just be confident, be real, be you, because who you are is so amazing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And to just step into that and put that on um, is is what we want, What why we do what we do. And I would love to work with you further. Maybe we can get together and do an online that workshop. That would be great. Yes. Yes. All right. yes. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again so much, MK, for coming. It's been a pleasure and a delight. And just you've just poured out so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom and things to chew on. 
And I would just say anybody listening to this, go buy her book, get on her website um, and learn, you know, from her because MK is full of amazing wisdom. We've only like tapped the surface. I I have a feeling. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming MK and everybody listening. That is it for today. Just remember, be confident, be real and be you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got a lot out of it that will help you on your journey to becoming fearlessly confident. If you would like to know how to work with me to help you to become fearlessly confident, just email me, Janelle at EmergingLifeCoaching.com. You can also go to my website. There's lots of great resources on there, including a free mini course called Be Confident, Be Real, Be You. It's a three video course with downloadable action guides that will definitely help you to get on this journey to becoming fearlessly confident. My website is EmergingLifeCoaching.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be fearless, be confident, and be you.